on the virtual Bible stage tonight. We're going to talk about uniformitarianism. Ever use that word, Josh? No. Okay. Well, you might be surprised. The Bible doesn't use the word, but it uses the concept, and it's a major challenge to our faith. We're going to talk about that on the program tonight, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday april 28th 2022 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. josh mccord is here hello josh hey jacob glad that you're here yes, kyle be here. is behind the controls kyle welcome it's good to be here and we're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight and we'd love to hear from you you can make the program better tonight at 931-381-4567 email questions at collegeview.com and sign in with other listeners at the bottom of your video feed if you're listening to us live tonight at uh, sign in and send your comments in the chat room tonight as we talk about a long word uniformitarianism um, probably not a word that uh, anybody uses on a regular no. basis. No, no. I, I told you, Jacob, um, in a text message that we can talk about the topic as long as I don't have to say the word on air. <laughs> well, it's the idea that everything we observe today has always been occurring in a similar fashion as what we see today, and it will always continue in that fashion. Now, we may have gotten some exposure to that in uh, elementary school mathematics, where, uh, you know, the, 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 the problem is, you know, a tree grows two feet per year. If the tree's 20 years old, how tall is the tree? And we, you had to figure that out. That's, that's applying principles of uniformitarianism, that things have always happened in a certain fashion. They'll continue to happen in that fashion. Um, we use it in other areas, in politics, presidential elections. People will say, well, you know, if we're at war and the economy's bad, then it's in favor of the incumbent or what, or, you know. So we use that idea in, uh, in politics. We use it in interpersonal relationships. Certain events happen. You may think you can predict what your wife's response to that will be or some, your husband's response to that. Yep. Uh, so we use this idea of uniformitarianism in our lives. We never use the word itself explicitly but we have that idea we have the concept right. short-sighted though uh you know you're just looking at a little period well, of time it's and it's true i mean back to the tree example we know that trees don't grow at the same rate every year you know there might be a drought <laughs> right. and it only grew six inches this year right know? and it may have been really wet it grew three or four feet so you know yeah. we know it and we know in politics it doesn't work all right. the time yeah maybe, know, maybe a lot of times but yeah, yeah. not 100 percent. doesn't work in interpersonal relationships right and it doesn't work in spiritual things in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about this idea of uniformitarianism. Uh, again, doesn't use the word explicitly, but the idea that things will always stay the same. And he says, be careful, watch out for that. Uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 
verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. See that idea? The scoffers are saying, Hey, everything's the same. It's going to keep being the same. Verse 5, For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the word, world that then uh, per, existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Peter says, people are saying, you know, things are going to keep happening the way they always have. And he says, they forget that they haven't always happened the way that they are right now and that they won't always continue the way they are right now. You've got to be careful of this idea, this concept of uniformitarianism, because things change, and you need to be prepared to deal with that. So there's several areas where we need to be prepared in our spiritual lives, um, and uh, tonight we want to talk about those areas with you uh, on the program. Um, so um, let me pull it up here. Um, tonight we want to talk about areas of our lives where the appliance, applying uniformitarianism presents problems. Number one, our current understanding of God's word. Will we always have the same knowledge of the Bible if we don't work to maintain it? Number two, current temptations and challenges to our faith. Should we expect the same challenges today uh, that we face in the future? Will they always be the same? Natural phenomenon. Are things happening today this, at the same rate? And in the same way as they have always happened, number four, God's long-suffering. God has been patient with us in the past. Will he always be patient with us? Number five, the seeming victory of the wicked. The wicked appear to be winning. Will they always win? And number six, our faithfulness. Will we always have the same level of faithfulness if we don't exert effort? Six areas that I believe Peter touches on here in this passage. Six areas where we need to be on guard against this idea of uniformitarianism. Number one, Josh, our current understanding of God's word. Well, uh, in Second Peter 3 and verse 18, uh, he says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Uh, so uh, with Peter telling us to make sure that we are growing, we're commanded to grow, uh, to me, that would uh, that would tell me that uh, our current understanding of God's word may be at a good place. You know, maybe we're at a good spot. Uh, but if we're not working to maintain it and working to grow it, then we're going to be losing it. Back in chapter, chapter verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3 of Second Peter, he says, Beloved, now I write you to you this second epistle on both which of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, of the Lord and Savior. He says, hey, I'm writing stuff to you that's not new, but you need to be reminded. You know, we sometimes think that once we understand something, we'll always understand it. Like riding a bike, you know. Yeah. Once you learn how to ride a bike, you're going to learn that. I mean, it was hard at first, but you don't have to learn it again. But there are a lot of things that we do have to be reminded of. How about your mathematical skills, uh, Josh? Are they quite as sharp as they were when you were in college? 
No, I would say they've dropped off dramatically. That might, might have dropped down <laughs> to about fourth or fifth grade level, and that, that's going to be a hard job. Yeah, just, just don't use yeah. them the way right. that, that you did at that time. You, but you, when you when you were in the middle of it, you thought, well, I've got all this. Mm-hmm. You've lost it. You've lost it. Um, uh, the same is true of our knowledge of the Scriptures. Peter says you need to be reminded. And if we just say, well, you know, I know it. I've got it. I don't have to work about it. Then you're going to have yeah. a, you're going to be shocked. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a broader topic, but I mean, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are examples of reminders that that God knows that we, uh, as humans, are easy to forget if we're not constantly remembering His Word. Uh, even things like partaking of the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, as doing that frequently is a reminder of what Jesus did for us. We're, we're easy to forget, and so here we're talking about our. Uh, you know, our level of knowledge and uh, God's word, if we're not frequently being reminded of those things, we'll forget those things or or, or at least they'll drift away to the back of our mind. Maybe it's not that I can't yeah. recall it, but yeah. it's not at the forefront of my mind. And so when I'm faced with needing to pull that from my memory, I'm, I'm having trouble doing you, that. You ever talk with somebody who says something that you know is doctrinally incorrect, but you're not quite as sharp right. with showing why it's not because yeah. you haven't looked at that in a while? And so you've got to be reminded. You've got to stay studying, stay in the scriptures. Peter says it's a problem, and uh, we need to be aware of it. But a lot of times we we sort of get complacent. You know, well, I know all that. In fact, if the preacher preaches a lesson about something that I already know, sort of aggravated and irritated. You mean I got out of bed to come hear this? I already know all this stuff. We've heard all this before. Right. (laughs) And Peter says you need to be reminded. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, uh, says, no, we will not always have the current understanding of the scriptures um, that we have now. He says, consider Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 says, um, and this, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. So he says we need to be growing in that knowledge. Um, he references Second Peter chapter three verse eighteen as you did. He also references First Peter chapter two, verse two, as newborn babes desire the sincere, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so he says we need to be desiring that uh, milk of the word so that we can grow. Um, and then he references Hebrews chapter five verses eleven through fourteen. You have that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, w- I was flipping. flipping I, thought you, I thought you had Hebrews up. That's well, right. I was. I got it now. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. Yeah. Uh, it says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to those to them that are a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Yep. And Dwight says if we do not work to maintain um, oh, sorry, I didn't finish I didn't finish Kent. He says the parable of the talents as recorded in Matthew twenty five, eleven through fourteen through thirty has an application that applies to all areas of life with reference to that of faithfulness. He says you've got to be you know gotta be using what you have and be working uh, to be growing at it. Dwight in uh, Ames, Iowa says, if we do not work to maintain what we have, th- that is to study God's word, we do not move forward as we should. Without proper study, we will, uh, we very well will lose what we have learned. He references Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, uh, as Kent did. The inspired writer of Hebrews very plainly states those 
who are mature are that way because of their practicing the word, which allows them to, to discern both good and evil. Thank you for both of those comments, Dwight and Kent. Have you ever known someone, though, that has drifted away, someone you thought was well-grounded in the Scriptures, and you turn yeah, around sadly. and all, the, what, all of a sudden they're out in left field? Sadly. Why was that? It's because they didn't know or never heard? No, they just drifted. They let that knowledge slip away. Yeah. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're diligent uh, to maintain and to grow in our knowledge of God's Word. Don't assume that because you know it now, you'll always know it. All right. Let's get a break. When we get back, the next thing we want to look at is the challenges to our faith. You know, I can look back in my past and see areas where my faith was challenged. Should I assume that those challenges will remain the same and those con- those will be constant and that I the, the challenges I face in the future are going to look a lot like the ones I faced in the past? We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Observe the progression in this passage. Walks with the wicked, stands along with sinners, sits with scoffers. May we never be comfortable with sin. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Bad times have a value. During such circumstances, a good learner can gain great lessons. Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? Hardships are temporary. They may last a minute or an hour or a day or a year, but eventually they end. If, however, you give up, the hardships will last forever. Make it a habit to tell people thank you, to express your appreciation sincerely and without the expectation of anything in return. Truly appreciate those around you, and you'll soon find more and more people around you. Give careful consideration to the advice of him who loves you, though you like it not at the present. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. We talk about uniformitarianism. It almost gets stuck in your mouth. But it is a concept that uh, Peter is warning us of in Second Peter chapter 3, and we're looking at that tonight. And we're glad that you're here. We want your comments on the phone, 931-381-4567, on email, or in the chat room tonight. In yeah, the chat room. Tonight. Yeah, yes. <laughs> in the chat room. Greg, I'm sorry, I missed your comment, but uh, Greg commented in the chat room, said 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. That's right. All right. So, yeah, don't assume that you got it all and it'll stay that way uh, from here on out. Now, challenges to our faith. You know, that's another thing, uh, Josh. I like to think, you know, I've got this under control. The devil's come at me a lot of different ways in the past, but I sort of got him figured out now. I know where he's coming and how he's going to attack. And Peter tells us here in this uh, con- in this uh, context here, he says, don't get comfortable. Don't relax uh, because challenges are going to come. Verse 3 of Second Peter chapter 3, he says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. He says, there's some stuff coming your way in the future you need to get ready for it. And it's different than what they were experiencing then. And the same is true for us in our lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you were saying a few minutes ago uh, before the break, things that maybe used to have been a, a temptation for me or more so temptation may not be the same way now. Um, but there's always going to be, I mean, it's not like Satan's going to be like, well, he, you know, he, he beat me on that one, so I'll just give up and not. He, he's going to, he may flee from you for a while, but he'll come back with something different. Yeah. You know, you're working with your kids, I'm sure, telling them to share and not push mm-hmm. and shove. Are you tempted when you're, you're at the store, you're walking out the door, pushing and shoving your way so you can get out of the door fast? No, I mean, that's <laughs> no, a different temptation. No, you don't right. experience that temptation now. Right. Your kids aren't tempted in the same way as you're tempted right. now. And uh, and that's the way it is with us. Temptations change. They don't stay the same. And we get sort of comfortable. Like, hey, I got this thing I can put on cruise control. And Peter says, be careful because there's things coming. You need to always be on guard. Right. Well, I was thinking about Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 that, you know, Solomon said there's no new thing under the sun. And so so all the sins that have always have been are still here today. But, you know, there's different avenues to access them and different ways that they're presented to us. And so there, there's going to be new challenges with technology. There's been so many challenges that have come. And, um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, I think we have to be on guard. I, and Dwight just made a comment in the chat room, said this is why we put on the whole armor of God, because the devil comes in many ways. Yeah, I think that's right. And he comes and he has different uh, opportunities to tempt us at different stages in life, if nothing else, you know. Right. I'm, you know, a young person's not tempted to get bitter about their arthritis and their angst and pains and, the way that they're, you know, think life has treated them, that's not a problem for someone who's young. But in our older years, it's a problem, right? And so we just we've got to be, as Dwight said, be putting on the whole armor of God, so we're ready for whatever may come our way. In his email tonight, Dwight said the scriptures teach there's no new thing under heaven, but the Bible says that we will have various trials. Ecclesiastes one verse nine says, "What has been, it is what will be, and what has been done, it is what will be done." So there's nothing new under the sun. These trials differ from person to person, from generation to generation. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Our challenges could be from cancer to a pandemic to war and maybe loss of a child or loss of a job. Our life can change dramatically in a heartbeat. And so Dwight says we've got to be prepared for that and Peter says you need to be prepared because there's things coming that are going to be different than what you're experiencing now. Uh, Kent says no, we should not uh, when considering the implications of First Corinthians chapter ten verses one through three and First Peter chapter five verses eight and nine. First Corinthians chapter ten verses one through three says. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food um, and all drank the same spiritual drink. Uh, And uh, he says, he goes down and references that verse that was already referenced. uh, Verse 12, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So we're going to be tempted, as you mentioned, Josh, in ways that are common to man, but not necessarily ways that we've experienced in the past or in the ways that we're going to experience them in the future. Yeah. All right. Uh, he say, he goes on. Uh, he references 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Notice the use of the plural term afflictions. So... Um, he says uh, that we're going to have multiple afflictions. Do you have that passage? 
do? First Peter five verse eight mm-hmm. uh, says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world." Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> got to be prepared for whatever may come our way. Next up, uh, Peter, I believe, in this context of Second Peter chapter three, tells us we don't need to use this idea of uniformitarianism in the area of science. We see a lot. In science, and it is a valuable tool in science. Uh, if we can measure the rate of something in the past, the rate of change of something in the past, it can help us predict what things will look like in the future. We use it in a lot of areas of our life that we may not realize. For instance, cooking. Cooking is a lot of science, and I can I can make something in in the kitchen, and if it turned out well, I can be pretty confident that if I use that same procedure, same ingredients, and same method in the future, it's going to turn out okay. And I can get down very precise that I need to cook this thing for 15 minutes at this temperature, and it'll turn out. But the problem is that we can't apply the principles of uniformitarianism in every physical observation that we make. Scientists like to look at a river gorge and the depth of a river gorge and say, you know, If we can measure how deep the river is cutting into the gorge every year or every thousand years, then we can work backwards and figure out how long that that river has been working in that gorge. Or if we look at at sediment, how it's deposited, and see we see this sedimentary rock layer that's so deep, and we know that, well, there was only X number of inches of sediment laid down every thousand years, and we can conclude that this sedimentary rock is 20 million years old. And the next layer is 30 million years old. And if we add that all up and the whole geological column up, we get that this thing, this whole thing's 350 million years old or however long it may be. But there's a problem with that. If there's no creator, that's a really good way of figuring out the age of things. But there's a problem with that. There is a creator and things have not always existed like they are now. Yeah, I've got an article here, Jacob, that is from Apologetics Press, but it's an article about this uniformitarianism idea. I, I think you got I said, it. I think I said it right. Um, but it was talking about the fact that the Grand Canyon, for years, they said that it took six million years to form, uh, but then in 2008 they came along and said, well, we think it was more like 17 million years, and so... You know, they were publishing this in, in documents, and it was, you know, it was almost like a fact. Six million years. Well, then they changed it, and they added, you know, 11 million years to their, uh, you know, to their to their concept there. And so the, just the thing that's kind of mind-blowing is, I'm like, well, we did a little miscalculation here. We got to so, – so what they treated as fact, even, even people with that same mindset are coming back and saying, well, maybe not so accurate. Right. Uh, but again, it's taking the whole concept of God and a creator out of Taking down. Uh, out of the whole equation. Back in our context, Second Peter chapter three verses four through six, Peter says, "In saying this is the scoffers, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water." They're saying, hey, listen, things are pretty stable around here, pretty consistent, you know. I mean, the dirt's not moving a whole lot. It's got to be the way it's always been and the way it's always going to be. And Peter says, no, they're ignorant. And these folks were willfully ignorant of the fact that 
there was difference in the way that natural phenomenon happened in the past, specifically the flood. And you take that and put that into an understanding of how we see things in geological terms today. The flood explains things like the Grand Canyon not being 17 million years old or whatever number they right. may come up with tomorrow. Right. But the Grand Canyon could occur in very rapid fashion. Uh, lots of other things that you see in nature are explained easily when you consider a, a global flood. Yeah, looking backward and also looking forward, Peter is talking about. You know, don't think that things look like they're pretty steady. I mean, there's, you know, you're you're, you're telling me about uh, the Lord returning, but uh, you know, everything seems to be going along pretty good here. And, and Peter says in verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall also shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So, yeah, just because things seem to be steady and stable doesn't mean it's always going to be that way because the Lord is going to return and this physical world will be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, Dwight says uh, they make wrong assumptions when they look at things this way, such as dating the age of the earth. Yeah. For sure. it, 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 now, if, if, if there was no creator, what's happening now would have happened would have to be constant throughout time. But with the creator's intervention, we know that it doesn't have to be that way. And it right. explains so much when we look at the world around us. Kent says the the phrase natural phenomenon is a phrase that uh, describes non-artificial events in the realm of that which is observable and that have not been developed by humanity. There are two dangers that emanate from the philosophy of uniformitarianism as it relates to natural phenomena. Number one, thinking that the only type of knowledge is limited to that which is observable by scientific method. Contemplative knowledge resulting from usage of logical, rational, critical thinking is also a legitimate means of obtaining knowledge. And number two, failure to consider all information. All right? So it limits our understanding if we uh, apply this in what we see around us. So Peter says, listen, things haven't always occurred at the same rate that they're occurring now. And so when you hear that a rock or a dinosaur bone is millions of years old, remember... Uniformitarianism doesn't uh, describe everything that's in around us. Things have happened at different rates at different times. All right. Anything else on that, Josh? No, I think we're, I think we're covered. All right. We're going to go on and get a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about God's long-suffering. That's one where folks tend to use this idea. Uh, you know, I've been committing this sin for 30 years, and God hasn't struck me dead yet. He must be okay with it. Uh, things have been going pretty good. I think it's going to be all right if I just keep living this way. We'll get that on the other side of the break. This week's Bullet Point, we're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Birds and bats, bees and butterflies. These are but a few of Earth's creatures that possess extraordinary navigational skills. How does a bird know the proper route to follow on its migrations north and south? How can a bee find its way back to the hive and then return again with other helpers to the nectar-rich flower patch just discovered? Such accomplishments have long puzzled the scientists that study such things. An article in National Geographic describes research that has been undertaken to discover the answer to these mysteries. The conclusions are amazing. Birds, for instance, have been shown to, quote, use the sun as a compass together with an internal clock that compensates for the sun's changing position in the sky. 
And then there's the honeybees, which, quote, employ special cells in their compound eyes to recognize patterns of polarized light, which enable them to determine the location of the sun, even if it is obscured by clouds. Desert ants, we are told, tell distances by counting steps from one location to another. Spawning salmon travel thousands of miles to return to the very section of river where they were born. Scientists agree that they, quote, locate home streams by smell, imprinting on the odors from soil and vegetation. Other fish navigate in murky waters by generating an electric field and then sensing their, quote, environment through fluctuations in electric current. Some insects are known to determine direction and location by sensing, quote, magnetic fields through specialized photoreceptors in their eyes. All this staggers the imagination. The complexities of nature are incredible. But even more amazing is the fact that there are so many people who believe that this all came about by random chance as living creatures evolved from lower life forms. How can it be so? Who can believe it? Faith in a living, all-powerful God is a much more reasonable explanation. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And hey, welcome back to the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And if you happen to be on YouTube, Kyle can help you out with some stuff there. Yeah, but you can, if you're not part of our uh, College View live stream, you can just search for College View in your search box, then it should be one of the first options that you come across. Yeah, a lot of resources on there, a lot of lessons every week and Bible Bible classes and Bible studies. So. Can I subscribe to that channel, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, you can. And you can touch the little bell. You can make oh, sure your bell. alerts and notices, <laughs> how much you want. You can have, you can get no notifications or all of them or some. So, yeah. And should I push the like button? That's if you want to. Okay. Which, uh, <laughs> All right. I'm not going to force you. <laughs> All right. We're uh, talking about uniformitarianism on the program tonight. And uh, next up, where Peter, in our context, talks about we need to be careful about cons- considering the fact that God's long-suffering will always be the same as it is now. In verses 7 through 10, um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, he says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the day that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but as long-suffering to us words, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Peter says, don't assume that because God has been long-suffering with you all of your life, that he'll be long-suffering with you forever, because it simply is not the case. Yeah, well, uh, so in verse 8, the uh, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And so we get the idea of thinking, it's been a really long time. I mean, you know, we can read back in history books. Our country is, you know, several hundred years old. And, we, you know, so we think, I think things are going on pretty good. Uh, and maybe it'll just continue to be that way. And, and maybe God is just going <laughs> to forget or something. But obviously that's that's foolish, and, and that's what Peter is talking about. I don't think just because you think it's been a long time, it's that time doesn't mean anything to God. He exists outside of it. Uh, and so his patience will will run out. He is he is very patient. It talks about in verse nine. Uh, but the day of the Lord is going to come. come. Yeah, I've been cheating on my taxes for as long as I can remember, and I've never gotten caught. And God hasn't punished me for it. 
I, I've been a drunk for 30 years, and, and I'm still here. I'm still alive and kicking. God must not be too upset about it. He must not care. No. That's foolish thinking. It's foolish thinking. And closer to home. Maybe I know something about my life is not right, but I've been putting it off. And, you know, nothing's happened yet. I'm thinking maybe God's going to give me an exception or I'll have time. I'll have time to make it right. Things are going to keep going like they are, and I'll fix it one of these days. I'll make it right one of these days. No, don't assume that things are always going to be like they are now. Or you're going to have that time. Right. You know, yeah. I've got plenty of time to fix it. I'll fix it later on in life. Right. Yeah. Um, so just because God hasn't punished us for it yet, don't assume that he won't. He's right. going to. Right. Peter says. All right. Uh, in the chat room, uh, Greg references 1 Peter 3 and verse 20. It says, Once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Uh, and he says he suffered for a long time, but finally sent the flood. And that's true. I mean, it took Noah uh, quite some time to build the flood and Noah was, or build yeah. the ark before the flood, and he was a preacher of righteousness. Uh, but the flood was eventually sent, and it destroyed all those who didn't yeah. get in the ark. Yeah. Here's what Kent said about that. He says, no, he will not always be long-suffering. He references 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, um, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to that which he's done, whether good or bad. We're going to have to give an account. Now, it may not be tomorrow, but we will at some point have to give an account. Dwight says God is patient. First, in Second Peter 3, verse 9, it says the Lord is not slow about his promise, as come, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We need to keep in mind there is a day of judgment in which God will judge the people of this world according to their deeds, whether good or bad. God is patient, but does not tolerate sin, Dwight says. And uh, we need to make sure we understand that. Yeah, God hates sin. I mean, he's holy and righteous, and, and that's what he has, has called us to be. And he, he hates sin. And so when we get this mindset, and you already mentioned it, Jacob, that we sort of tolerate it, and it's not really that big of a deal, and I'll fix it later on in life. Uh, you know, when, when that time comes, and it's going to come like a thief in a night, so, so we're not going to be prepared for it. Uh, you know, God's going to be just and fair, and he's going to deal out our uh, our reward fairly. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd referenced uh, Romans 2, verses 4 through 6. Uh, it, it says, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasure, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against, against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render every man according to his deeds. You know, so Paul said, you're going to you're going to receive your reward, you know, and so uh, God is patient. He is long suffering. He wants all to be saved. But eventually that day of judgment is going to come and we need to be ready for it. Have you ever known anybody who got comfortable, though, in sin and maybe it bothered them at, at first, but they sort of got comfortable living that way? And yeah, I sure. think a lot of that is getting comfortable with the idea that, well, God hasn't punished me for it for this long, so maybe it's OK. Sure. Yeah, that's a danger for all of us to get to get calloused and and not let it bother us like it ought to. Yeah, and I got time. Yeah, I got time. I'm 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. Look how much time I've got. No, God's not going to be long suffering forever, and it may end. It may end tonight, Kyle. Yeah, which I think is something to keep in their mind is there's people 
who are dying right now. People have died today and are di- it's just, they're dying thinking they had tomorrow to make things right. And they had they had time. They had time on their hands. But, you know, time has slipped away and it's and their situation cannot be changed because they're they're locked. They're forever but they thought they had time. So that's something and we we're tempted to look at our lives that way, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. Well, it's uniformitarianism. You know, my health is good. Things are good today. I'll wake up tomorrow and it'll be the same way. And some folks won't wake up tomorrow. And it could be me. It could be you. Yeah. Got a comment in the chat room. Uh, Greg Reverence, First Thessalonians 5, verse 3. says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Um, so there is that danger of thinking everything's good, everything's peaceful, but then it'll come upon them and then they won't be able to escape because it'll be destruction will come when, when they're not prepared. Yeah. All right. Uh, 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com are the email addresses and phone numbers to use tonight. We want to hear from you on the program. Uh, as we look at this idea, uniformitarianism, not in the Bible. You can't find that word, but the concept's there. It's it's there a lot, and it's a danger for us. We've got to be aware of it. All right, um, let's go on. Uh, Peter goes on and mentions uh, mentions one other thing that we need to realize is not uh, uniform in its uh, uh, existence, and that is the material things. And we work hard for what we have, and when we get it, we think it's going to be ours forever. Um, and uh, we want more. We're not happy with what we got because I want more because it's going to be mine forever. I need to get as much as I can get. And um, some fo- folks want those material things so much that they're willing to lie and cheat and steal to get more. And um, if not literally cheating and stealing, they're cheating and stealing their time uh, and their duty to their family, their fellow man, and to God so they can get more and more stuff. And we need to be aware of that. That's a big problem in the society we live in today, Josh. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's about it's about getting uh, things. Uh, and actually, last night uh, in class, we were talking about idolatry here in the adult class at College View, covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, and... And one of the things that, that Greg was teaching us about was the fact that in, we, we live in the most prosperous time uh, that anybody has ever lived in before, here in our country especially. We, we all have uh, lots of resources, even even during difficult times. You know, inflation has been bad, and I've heard a lot of people talk about that, and we've seen that going to the grocery store. Prices are, are higher than they used to be, but we still have so much, and we're so blessed. Just materially, we have we have a lot of possessions, and the, the um, danger is for us to get caught up in those possessions and things uh and to have that mindset like you're talking about listen this is mine and look look at the things that i have and i'm always going to have these and and um really that becomes our sort of our idol we've we've put that in the number one uh place in our lives it's really sad really a danger for us absolutely and the devil is so efficient at whispering to us you need more and it's in the media all the time you need more and look at look at this. Look at this shiny new thing. You need it. Right. You're this, not cool unless you have this. You deserve it. You need more. You need more. And we begin to buy that yeah. if we're not careful. And yet Peter is very clear that um, these things are not going to be ours forever. Second Peter chapter three in our context, verse eleven and twelve. 
Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you, be, ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Peter says, hey, you may think you got it now, and you got a big bank account, and you got a nice sturdy house, and you got stainless steel appliances that are never going to rust. He says, it's going to melt. It's not going to be here forever, and that ought to change your perspective. Yeah, well, you know, Jesus talked to a rich fellow one time that was all caught up with his possessions, uh, and he told him, you know, thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? Uh, you know, that, so, so the things that you've got, they're going to belong to somebody else. The, the minute that I pass from this life, the possessions that I have, they're going to belong to somebody else, and they may use them wisely or they may waste them. Uh, and so, you know, obviously the point of that parable was lay up treasures in heaven. You, you need to get your your life ready for after this life. Don't just spend all your time worried about the possessions that you have because that's not what it's all about. Uh, Dwight and Michelle have a comment said we should learn to be more content with what we have so that we don't get caught up in worldly possessions. And that, that's very true. Absolutely. I like it, what the psalmist said about it in Psalm 49, verse 11. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. They think their house is going to last forever. And we built a house a few years ago, and you know you're building. And you think, well, we're going to build this thing right. It's going to it's going to be it's going to be very sturdy. It's going to last. And it doesn't last. Yeah, I uh, I had to replace a door the other day that was worn out and i thought you know that that's this is a new house we don't have to worry about those things no within a few years you're gonna have to start worrying about those things that there's gonna be paint that has to be put back on or else the whole thing's gonna rot and fall down because what we have isn't gonna last forever it's not gonna last all that long and if it were to last if you were able to build it where it would never fall down someday it's gonna melt it's gonna be destroyed yep all right, needs to change our perspective. Uh, do we own our possessions, or do they own us? Are we giving them too much focus in our life? Are we uh, are we too consumed with them? Have they become our idol? Um, we need to make sure that we're aware of that and that we're being considerate of that. Um, all right, um, so we got to be aware of uh, of our possessions. Chat room. Yeah, Greg's got a comment. He references Ecclesiastes two verses eighteen and nineteen. It says, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Yeah. Um, so I wasted my time to, to focus solely on possessions. All right. We need to get a break, and when we get back, we need to talk about... It appears that the wicked are being victorious. Is that always going to be the case? Are they always going to be successful? And our faithfulness, are we always going to be the way that we are today in our faithfulness? Don't go anywhere. We're going to the top of the hour right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Misconception number 17. The folks at the College of Church of Christ believe that water saves. 
Some people say this, but it's simply not true. We believe the blood of Jesus saves us. Granted, we do believe water baptism is necessary for salvation, and we would like to explain why to you. But without Jesus' blood, no one will be saved. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the Cosby Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a survey of American parents with children younger than 13 years old, 67% self-identified as Christians, but only 2% of that group agreed that, quote, the Bible is a relevant and authoritative guide for life. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, looking at Second Peter chapter 3 to some things that uh, Peter says don't assume they're going to keep going on the way that they're going on now, the way they've been going on. Be aware of this idea of uniformitarianism, and especially in the area of the wicked having success and appearing to be victorious. Josh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a danger. We, I was trying to think of the song and I can't think of it now. It came to my mind, but um, talking about the seeming prospering of the of the wicked, you know, we. So I'm here trying to live right and and do things right, and and I don't seem it doesn't it doesn't appear that. I'm doing as well as those that don't care about God and their uh, apparent success. Uh, and so I, I appreciate the way you've got the question worded, the seeming victory of the wicked, because I think it's all about perspective. Sometimes we perceive that those that are wicked, are everything's just great for them, and here I am struggling, I'm, and I'm trying to live right. I think uh, the song you reference is Sing and Be Happy. Maybe. Often we are troubled and tired, sick with sorrow and pain. There are others living in sin, blessed with earthly gain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it feels that way, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, but will the wicked continue to have their apparent success? And I think that's a key. It's, it seems that way, but the wicked are not successful. You know, a person that's not living, you're not a success in this life if you're not living the way that God has, has prescribed for you to live. You know, the world may define success in, in one way, uh, but that's not successful. And in the end, uh, it's we've already talked about judgment and those kind of things. The wicked will not be successful in the end. And so that's that's something for us to have good consolation in. And there are wicked who are doing better than you and me for sure. physically. Yeah, for sure. Um, but ultimately, they're going to, to pay. And that's what Peter says in verses, verse 13 in Second Peter chapter 3. Um, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. There is going to come a time when the wicked are punished. We're going to be someplace, if we're righteous and living like we should, where we will be victorious and we will enjoy the blessings that God has prepared for us. Yeah. Yeah, no matter how unsuccessful the world may determine that we are. Yeah. But, you know, I I was thinking, Jacob, uh, if we we feel that way, we're not the first people to to ever have thought that. You know, I was looking at some Old Testament passages, Habakkuk. Uh, Jeremiah 12 and verse 1, he says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, uh, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Yeah. And so Jeremiah, in his day, he he wanted to talk to God and kind of get a better understanding. 
why are the wicked prospering and why are they seem to be doing so good? Uh, you know, and, and sort of here I am. I'm, I'm really struggling. And so that's that question has been asked uh, way, way before way before us. Yeah, the psalmist in, in Psalm 73, uh, he notices how there are so many uh, blessings that the wicked seem to be enjoying. And he's got it so hard, he says, how, you know, what's going on here? Uh, and he says, until I got a spiritual perspective there in verse 17 of the 73rd Psalm, he said, I couldn't right. understand it because it is, it does on a physical, from a physical perspective seems so wrong that the wicked could just thumb their nose at God and just ignore him completely. And they're still doing good. They've got healthy children. They've got a successful career. Um, everything seems to be going their way. But until you start to see it from God's perspective, you realize right. that it's very short-term, very short-lived. Yeah. Job, and Job 21, verse 7, says, Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everything he says, great. Yeah. Obviously, Job uh, was, uh, you know, tempted, uh, and, and Job went through a lot of things. Uh, but he was able to look at the wicked, and it seems like everything's going great for them. Here I am suffering, and the wicked, they just seem like... Uh, they just live and they become old and they are powerful. Uh, but again, it's all about a mindset. When you get the right perspective, then you realize that's not really, really success. Yeah, Dwight says the wicked of this world may have some worldly success, but in Matthew 5, verse 45, it says, so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of the Father, of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So God sends blessings even to the wicked. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful forever. And Kent says the wicked will not have ultimate success. He references Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Revelation 20, verse 11, beginning, uh, says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and whose, on, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's going to be coming a punishment uh, that it exceeds our imagination as to how terrible it will be, um, and the wicked will not have an ultimate success. Agreed. All right. And then um, we ask about our faithfulness. Should we assume that if we're faithful today, that we'll always be faithful from here on out? Well, Peter says you need to be careful about that. He's, that's in verse 17 of Second Peter chapter 3. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. He says, don't assume that just because you're some way today that you'll be that way forever. You ever known somebody who maybe their physical condition changed? Maybe they used to be a big bodybuilder. And what happens when you quit lifting those weights? Lose it very quickly. It goes and it shifts down to the midsection, doesn't <laughs> it? Uh, because you, you're not going to be that way forever if you don't maintain it. And so it is with us spiritually. You know, 
hopefully we all have committed ourselves to living like God wants us to live. And hopefully we're all very spiritually healthy right now. But we should not assume that we will be that way forever. Yeah. Ever known someone who's fallen away? Have you ever been shocked by some of the folks who've fallen away and who have done things that you would have never imagined? Why was that? Because they didn't stay the way they were forever. Yeah, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, compares the Christian life as running a race. Uh, and, you know, I think about these Olympic athletes and the work that they have to do. So the race may be a very short time period. I'm no, I'm no runner, Jacob. <laughs> but uh, they, they run and work year-round for mm-hmm. years in order to run a short, a short race, you know. And so it's a, it's a consistent, it's a lifestyle. Uh, and so... That's that's the life that that we're doing. I mean, we're we're looking to run the race for the long haul, and it takes a lot of work in order to live a faithful life. Uh, I was thinking in Luke chapter nine and verse sixty-two, Jesus said, "No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God." Uh, and so there, you know, so answering the question, will we maintain our current level of faithfulness if we don't work? No, we won't. I mean, it takes it takes a lot of work, and I like what Jesus is saying here is if you look back, if you turn away, then you can do that. You've got that choice, but you have to choose to continue working and choose to continue pushing forward, and that's what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah. We've got to work to maintain. Uh, the aspect of faithfulness, Kent says, necessitates continued effort. He references 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 5. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You must, therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Kent says there's a lot of effort involved here. Just don't assume that it's just going to stay the way that it is now with your faithfulness. uh, Dwight says our faithfulness will and can dwindle without proper spiritual feeding. Just as a child needs nourishment to grow physically, one needs to feed their spiritual appetite in order to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So we've got to work to maintain. Yeah. You know, Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, so we recite that whenever we talk about the plan of salvation. You know, you need to have faith and you get faith by hearing the word of God. But that's also that's also continuing to be true. After you become a Christian, your faith grows by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that takes effort. Uh, and Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, Paul told Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so if if we are not going to, uh, you know, take in the word, we're not going to grow. It's just it's really, really simple, really, yeah. when you boil it down. Yeah, Dwight and Michelle in the chat room. Oh, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm stepping on your toes there. <laughs> no, it's okay. Dwight and Michelle said uh, they referenced Matthew 24, verse 13, but the person who endures to the end will be saved. And so along this idea of uh, maintaining and enduring. They're enduring. It's, uh, there's action there. Right. It's not going to be some passive that I can just yeah. assume, hey, I've been faithful this far, I'll be all right. right. No, you got to endure to the end. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, there's one more verse to look at here in verse 18 that offers us some encouragement. You know, some folks might say, well, on the negative side of that, maybe I've not been as faithful as I should have been. Maybe there's some things in my life that I'm struggling with. And, you know, I just don't think I'm ever going to, I'm never going to beat this thing. I'm never going to get to be where I should be. 
Uh, I'm always going to have this foul tongue. Uh, I'm, 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 my temper, I'm never going to be able to get a hold of it. Uh, I've got these certain sins of the flesh that I'm engaged in. I, can't, I just can't seem to beat them. Look at verse 18 of Second Peter 3. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You don't have to stay the way you are. Uniformitarianism does not apply to your life. You can be better than you are. You can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior. Yeah. You know, the world will tell you that if, if you're a certain way, you'll always be that way. Uh, but but the Bible tells us that a person can change, you can repent, and you can stop doing things. Just like just like Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus, totally, totally against everything that had to do with the Lord and being a Christian and, and he killing changed. Christians, he and he changed. changed. Yeah, yeah. And he, he allowed he allowed God's word to do that and work in him. Yeah, uh, and and he changed. Yeah, so don't assume that the way you have been all your life is the way that you're going to have to be. You can do better. You can change. And Peter gives us that encouragement here. Yeah. Gives gives me a lot of encouragement too. Yeah, absolutely. Because we all have areas we can mm-hmm. improve in, mm-hmm. and we need to have confidence and faith that we can, with God's help through His Word improve and be what god wants us to be yeah uniformitarianism yeah that's funny you said dwight michelle said good study tonight y'all pronounced that long word real good it took me three tries <laughs> uh, 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 uh. it is uh it is a challenge if we were to think that way in so many different areas of our lives it could cause us a lot of problems we need to understand uh what god says about the fact that things aren't always aren't always going to be the way that they've always been yeah. all right yeah. I enjoyed it, Jacob. Thank you, Josh. Kyle, thanks for getting us out. Any comments from you tonight? Yeah. I think we just need to be, if we're Christians, if we're going to aspire to be like Christ-like, we need to make sure we're very familiar, intimately familiar with the standard that he has for us. It's the Bible. It's not changing. We can change. The world can change. But the Bible's not changing. So and the Word isn't. So, yep. Get, in, get aligned with that. Yep. Amen, Kyle. Thanks for helping us get it out tonight. It was good. Thank you, Josh, again for your time. Yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed being with you. Thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.